Hi friends, it's Kana Moran. Welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Happy Thursday, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever day or time it is that you're listening. I am live from New York City and I'm so happy to be back on the mic with you guys. I'm so excited to be here for the conference, the Level of Legal and the Higher State of Law conference. And I thought I would do it live from here instead of pre-recording because I think it would be a lot more fun to do it from here and experience it with you guys and i'm staying in such a beautiful area an area that i've never been in before i've really only been to new york this is my fifth time ever being in new york city which is wild and i love it here i went on a walk earlier today i got lunch i worked at a coffee shop and i'm going to yoga later and my friend is about to get back not sharing where i'm staying because i'm staying with a friend and he's on his way home from work and i'm super excited to hang out with him he probably has some more work to do but maybe we can go get dinner really fast before i go to yoga and it's just honestly so exciting to be here and i'm also taking it old school i have no microphone right now this is just the computer microphone and i'm sorry about that for the quality but I, like I said, I wanted to do it live instead of pre-recording. I also just didn't have a chance to pre-record ahead of time. But I have a really exciting guest for you guys. But before we talk about that, I thought I would do a quick suck and sweet of the week and then we'll dive right in because this one's going to be a long one. So my suck and sweet of the week. Where to even begin? My suck of the week is that I honestly don't really have one. Like... I do like a personal one, like a dating relationship, situationship type one, but I'm not quite ready to share that quite yet. So we're not going to discuss it. But in all honesty, that's not even a suck. It's just an annoyance. Um, I have no suck of the week, which I think is the first time ever that I've not had one. But I have a lot of sweets of the week because I honestly cannot tell you the last time I have felt so good and just that everything feels like it's working out for me and it's going right like things are just really like I'm on one right now and I feel great and it feels so so good I don't know if it's because I've been on my meds for long enough I don't know if it's a new month new energy I don't know if it's a, it's a year out of like being in practice now and like the tides are changing I don't quite know what it is the universe is happening something you know someone's in retrograde or not in retrograde i don't really know what is happening anymore but all i know is it's leo season i love leos i'm a fire sign too and it's august and things are going freaking great i don't know if it's because i did that tiktok audio it's the first of the month you guys know what i'm talking about but honestly it's been like it's the eighth right now it's tuesday and it's just every day something great happens or something at least good happens and things are just going really really great and i've never felt better i'm excited like definitely like there's like things i still want to work on things i want to accomplish things i'm navigating but i have a really good plan in place i have a lot of things that i'm working on my hands are a lot of buckets and things are working out you know financially career business personal friendships things are really really good and i'm honestly i'm just so freaking happy that this is like 
like I wish you guys could see the smile on my face right now. That's that's how great I feel. And the view right now, watching the helicopters and the planes fly by, and I just, it's beautiful here. It was like overcast all day, so it wasn't super hot. Only for a little while, while I was really like hardcore walking, and the sun came out. And the only downside so far of this trip is that I forgot my sunglasses at home because my dad drove me to the airport and I thought like they're usually in my car I don't keep them in my purse and because of that I forgot sunglasses so I ran into Target when I got here and grabbed a cheap pair and they're actually kind of cute um but even my flight like my flight was a 7am flight I love an early flight especially to New York City because it takes a while to get into the city from the airport so I got into the city around 11:30, and it was great but 7am flight we landed early and on top of that, my bag got checked at the door, carry-on, didn't have to worry about that. It was super easy to navigate. And then, but even before that, my seat assignment, I never pay for seats on flights. Although I'm an aisle seat girl and I can't really function if I'm not in an aisle seat. So I really should start paying for aisle uh, seat selection, but like I just, eh. I do basic economy and like the cheapest possible flight. I don't care if I'm in the back, as long as I'm in an aisle seat, I don't really care. And I got assigned the same exact seat as the girl next to me. So then I finessed my way to get an aisle seat because I was technically middle, which I hate middle seats. I would rather be window at that point. But yeah, I hate, I, I need aisle seat. I need room to breathe. I get very claustrophobic. And I actually talked about why I think on my episode last week with Everyday Armor, I might have, not sure, go listen um, if you haven't already, though, that's a great episode as well about self-defense and confidence, which is something that my dad reminded me three times today as I was going to New York City by myself, you know, commuting. But I am so happy to be here, and I'm so excited for this week's guest, Wealth with Meg. She is a chiropractor, and she is also a personal finance coach, and I think you know, you think the two wouldn't quite go together, but like they really go together. Um, and she talked all about why she got into this space. And she has been someone that has been a personal cheerleader of mine as I tackle paying off my student loans and figuring out how to invest my money and where to put it and what accounts to look for. And we talk about the different types of accounts to look at. And I actually made two big money moves this week after our conversation with her and my CPA, Christy Bowie. I'll tag her as well below. And she, Megan, has just really inspired me with her content. I found her just one day scrolling through TikTok, or no, not TikTok, Reels. And she popped up and I fell in love and I knew I had to have her on the podcast and we just had such an incredible conversation. We honestly could have kept going for another two hours and we will definitely be doing a part two so ask your questions for megan dr megan but i'm so excited for you guys to listen money is something that we don't talk about enough especially as women and it's something that we need to talk about more and i'm so glad that i get to have this conversation with you guys and for you guys and i hope this really helps because this is something that i'm grateful i got information at at home for my parents because they work in finance but I know a lot of people don't and it's really scary and it's daunting and we talk about that in this episode and it shouldn't be and it doesn't need to be and now it doesn't have to be because you have Megan so 
I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show, share with a friend, tag us as you're listening. Let me know who you want to see next, what topics you want me to cover next. Let me know if you have any questions for Megan for a part two. And I will see you guys next week when I'm back in Miami. Talk to you guys soon. Meet Megan. So Megan, what's something that people wouldn't know about you just from following you? People would not know about me just from following me. Hmm. Oh gosh. I feel like I'm such an open book. I'm pretty sure I overshare on Instagram. Yeah, me too. <laughs> they probably wouldn't know that my two front teeth are fake. Oh, interesting. What's the story? Um, that? I busted them as a kid at the beach playing tag. I tripped over a like gated kitty gate fence and knocked them on the side of a picnic table. And it has been the most financially invested like cosmetic procedure I've had in my entire life I I was like 10 when it happened yeah because you have to get multiple different veneers over time right as your teeth change yeah and since it happened so young I literally they just like bonded them for so many years and then when I was 18 they finally put veneers on them and then like mm, five months ago I got the veneers redone and so underneath these teeth it's literally just like little stubs and I see that on Instagram actually now that I'm saying this I did share that yeah, but that, I would have no, not, not known that. It's not something you like probably talk about much, but it's so funny that you say that. I have one of my best friends has bonded teeth and she's waiting to save up to be able to get veneers now that she, you know, we're working on her own and like insurance and she's the well, money because for it's it. cosmetic that you're done. It's not covered. Yeah. yeah but like having the money to be able to pay for it, which is actually what we're going to talk about, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, And actually it's super funny. You mentioned veneers too, because when, so I'm Hispanic and at 15, you usually get a quinceanera, which is a party. And I remember asking my parents, it's like, I don't want to party. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to people ever again, like in a few years, which is true. Um, yep. So I was like, let's go on a trip. So we went to Hawaii and that was my 15th birthday trip. And we woke up at like the ass crack of dawn and hiked to like one of the volcanoes to watch the sunrise. And it yeah. was so cold up there my, that from the teeth chattering, my dad cracked his veneers and we had to go find a dentist in Hawaii thankfully it's the U.S. but like (laughs) yeah we had to go find in Hawaii like at like eight o'clock in the morning before we could do anything else because and then I think he did it again recently because like dental work it's they're so old that he needs to get them redone but they're just so expensive and I mean we have like money saved up for like procedures like that in emergencies but still like it's just that's such a what you want to be spending money on because you're so cold your veneers shattered but it was the funniest thing I I just uh, like I don't remember much about that trip but that was like that's still one of like the highlights it was so funny I Um, always so worried I was in college one time and I was in the dining hall and I ate something and I just felt it crack and I was like oh no oh no 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 yeah and yeah I went home the next day got them all fixed up it's been a journey I'm sure. I can only imagine. So yeah, so you are a chiropractor, but you're also really informed about finances and you help empower women with their finances and why it's so important to save and invest and teaching them about how to do these things. So can you talk a little bit about how, I mean, chiropractor and finance, like don't usually go together. So what made you want to be a chiropractor in the first place? Yes. So I was actually an undergrad and I was solely going PT. I had been to a chiropractor myself, but I was, I never really knew how they became a chiropractor. Like you hear of PT school, OT school, PA school, you don't really hear of chiropractic school, but I was in my like internship where you have to get like the 400 hours to graduate for PT. 
and I was so bored. I was like, I don't want to give these people exercises anymore. And it was just like, I was in the geriatric unit and I know you don't have to go that route, but I was like, maybe I should just like check out other options. So I asked my chiropractor at the time, like, how do you do this? Like, how do you become one? And then I applied to school, got in and it was probably about halfway through COVID hit. And again, we kind of talked about this before, how we both come from backgrounds where our parents kind of taught us about finances and money management, which again, incredibly fortunate for that because that's not the norm. But it was during COVID, I was sitting with a couple of my friends and we were just talking and I just like looked around and I realized none of them know even the basics of money. And we're coming out of this chiropractic school with almost $200,000, $300,000 of student loan debt. And I was like, we need to be educated on money in order to make informed decisions about our debt, about our future incomes, like all this stuff. So with my parents having, you know, taught me in the past, I then just like deep dove rabbit hole into all the things. And, you know, you can be taught something as a kid and you're just like, yeah, 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 whatever. But until you have like that drive and that passion to really learn about it yourself. Yeah that's what kicked in. And so it was really a conversation with my friends that took me down this whole personal finance journey as well. That's fascinating. Just because yeah, it's so true what you say, like, we hear all the time. And like, you know, it's like, you need to save up money or like, save like, 50% of your paycheck, and then the other 30% goes to bills or whatever the breakdown, like different, everyone divides it differently. But you're like, no, like, I want all my money for me. And my dad is actually yelling up, jokingly yelling at me and my mom, because whenever we get paid, I put all of it in my savings and then pay my bills from there. Cause I'm like, I want to see the savings number grow. I not all of it, but like the majority of it. And it's like, he, he's like, why don't you guys pay off your credit cards? <laughs> like right. have the money, but you just want to see that number grow. And, and similarly, my sister and I, we like hoard it. And my sister's worse because I've like gone through this whole thing, but my, my dad came from a very poor background and now he's very successful, which is incredible. But that scarcity mindset is such a real thing. And then also trying to like talk to a boomer about scarcity mindset. Yeah. Good luck, but yeah, no, so- I don't like, I have multiple streams of income. So one paycheck goes directly to completely to savings. One goes to credit card. One, like, and yeah. my mom is the same thing, but it's just, he just like makes fun of us. Cause like he'll see our like savings account grow. And he's like, where's your credit card at? Like just right. he knows he's just going to mess with us. And I'm like, I paid it this week. I'm, yes. I'm good. I have a handle on it. And then you'll pay it. Yeah. Um, but my mom's the same way. It's really yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, it's so true. We hear it all the time, but we don't actually like until there's a it's the same thing as like addiction or mental health. Like until the person really wants it, they're not gonna do something about it. And it's the same thing with saving because it is, like you said, a mindset and you do a really good job of teaching people about how to heal their mindset and their view with money. But I think it's fascinating that it came from you being in chiropractic school. And yeah, I have so many friends that are in big law or in different law firms or in different types of law, and they're all making various different types of money and everyone has their own perception or view of it. I have some friends who 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 came from money whose parents help them. They have wealth managers and they're like really maxing out their 401k and their savings before they can, you know, allow themselves to spend on a nicer apartment or get a car or buy a house or whatever. Or like one of my best friends, she has like a rule of like, I can't buy myself a house until this, because I want a house in this neighborhood and it's going to cost this much. And like, she's very strict with it, which isn't necessarily the healthiest, but she's very aware of it. And like, she has her guidelines. And I have another friend who's like, I came from absolutely nothing. 
and now I'm making all this amount of money and like the money means nothing to me but like I have this much amount in loans and I need to be really careful about how I spend it and I just think it's really interesting how everyone has their own relationship with money so I think it's really cool um where did you when you did that deep dive of you're like okay I want to learn more about this and I want to teach my friends and I want to really get more information what resources did you look at to start learning about this so I read a lot of books, started listening to some podcasts. However, I'm more of like a visual learner. So reading it in a book is much better for me. me too. And then I actually started just emailing my dad because, you know, I had to schedule at the time, but um, he was a huge asset, but I read, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. And then the simple path to wealth by uh, I think JL Collins. It's right there. Actually, those are the best two starter books because they break it down. It's kind of like no bullshit. And the simple path to wealth was a dad who wrote blog posts for his daughter because he she was not ready to learn it similarly to like what we were just saying and then when she was ready he had it all there for her and I then he turned that. out the book yeah that so, is so cool. such, I love the book um but those are the best two ones that I start with and then if you're more stuck on like that mindset of money, the psychology of money is such a good resource. That is cool. It's so funny. You mentioned emailing your dad. My dad and I talk more on LinkedIn and email than we do like yeah. phone calls because it's like business talk. Yeah, um, or like said each other, like LinkedIn articles, like, oh, look at what's going on in the city or like, look at this company and what they did. I remember when the Citadel moved down here from Chicago, <laughs> he like sent me like several different LinkedIn articles about it. Yeah. I was like, he watches Bloomberg at lunch when he works from home. Mm-hmm. And so I'll sit there eating lunch. I'm like, can we please watch anything else? He's like, no, this right. isn't my time to like book. And I actually enjoy it. Like I just mess with him, but I learned a lot just sitting there that hour and focusing on Bloomberg. And I think it's really cool that I don't, I love the idea of the dad writing, a, like doing blog posts and making it into a book because that way it's like digestible information. Um, And I think that's the hardest part with money is that there's, we all think of money, we think of like investment banking and like stock market and all these like really high level things. And they're scary and money is really scary or it can be for a lot of people. So having these tools and resources to really break it down, which is exactly what you do. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you kind of got into sharing it on social media and, and how you are able to break it down for people who don't really know about this and make it digestible? For sure. So Absolutely. Money is, I always say money is another language, like 401k, IRA, like all the acronyms can be so overwhelming and so scary, but money is not this sexy, complicated thing. When you really break it down, it is boring and it is simple and that is the way it should be. So, I mean, I had to learn it and like, it was so high level that I then really like just kept studying it and studying it and getting it down. And so I love analogies and I'll use analogies a lot to kind of convey different topics. But I think because I didn't want to learn it at a high level, I made myself like kind of digest it in a more easier, understandable way to then share with everyone else. Because I know if I got online or talked to my friends and started just spewing all this high level stuff, they would have been like, I'm not listening to you. Like, yeah, they but no thanks. Yeah, I've tried following like I over the years, I followed so many different accounts that are similar to what you do. And even other big ones that are they are set like somewhat digestible. I still find myself like, I, I don't like either how they approach it, or for whatever reason, it just doesn't really click with me. But yours are just so like, 
and it sounds like it like what you said like you're talking to your friend and you're teaching your friend about it in a conversational way that they can relate to and I think that is the most important thing you have to be relatable and money something that obviously is not relatable like not everyone can understand that so it's hard um but I think it's really honestly inspiring that you do that and I that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast thank you you were saying like you guys are going to come out of chiropractical with a lot of debt lawyers to other med school like all these different grad programs or even college people that do have takeout loans to go to college what are some of your big tips for people they're coming you know they're they're graduating from school whatever level and they have a certain amount of money in debt and they're making a certain amount of income like what are your first tips for starting to set yourself up. Let's say you have nothing. Like you have no savings, you have no not no credit, but like you really you're starting from the beginning. Like what are your yep. tips for people to start setting themselves up for the future? So, before we even graduate, just get a touch on the student loans while you're in school, try and not take out like the max amount if you don't have to, especially if you're in grad school because the interest rates have just continued to increase. So now literally going to grad school I think the grad loan for unsubsidized is like over 7%. I want to say it's 7.05%. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Mine was like six point something, I think. Yeah, so over six to 7% is like high interest, which again, a credit card is much higher of interest. But I mean, grad loans used to be in like the fours and five percents. And it was just so much easier to take out that max amount if you needed it. And then grad plus, which is what a lot of people will take out just to like live, pay rent, food, gas, stuff like that. I think it's almost to 8% now. So the interest yeah. rates are so high. So try not to take out the max amount because even if you have that money in your account now, you're going to be paying like two to three times that when you're paying it back. Yeah. And then when you graduate, I would say you got to get a credit card. Like if you're using a debit card, even in school, if you have some sort of income, you want to get a credit card. They'll look at your debt to income ratio. Obviously, if you have high student loans, it's going to be harder because you, if you don't have a job, because that ratio will be higher, but they want it to be about 50% or less. So if you have a job, once you graduate, get a credit card, start building that credit, make your timely payments, stuff like that. But then also with credit cards, be careful because credit card debt is the worst kind of debt. I have friends who had to go into credit card debt in school and we're out like a year and a half now and they're still paying off money and credit card debt, just the interest on it accrues so fast that it's so hard to get out of by just paying like a little bit over the minimum payment or just the minimum payment based on like how your expenses are going. So avoid credit card debt. If you have credit card debt though, I would say save a thousand dollars. Like that should be your goal is to first track your income and expenses. Like where's the money? then save $1,000 because yes, that can take a minute. But if you're trying to get out of credit card debt or avoid credit card debt and some emergency happens, having $1,000 on hand is much better than putting it on a credit card or putting $5,000 on a credit card versus like $3,000 and then get rid of all high interest debt. So those are like the three main things to do before you start even trying to like build wealth is you got to get out of that high interest debt, which is that six to 7% or higher because nothing that you invest in the stock market will give you a higher return. On average, the stock market is like a 10% um, average return annually, but I play it conservative and I say it's about seven to eight with like inflation and stuff. Yeah, that's so true about, yeah, you you can't start building wealth until you have your debt under control. And some debt is good. Like not all debt is bad debt. You need 
debt to have credit. Like that's how, that's why you need a credit card. But I think that's another thing too. Like people get so scared about credit card because of that slippery slope and then they don't take out credit cards. Like I know people in law school that they didn't have credit cards. They used like everything on a debit card and they had the money obviously in the debit card. So it's not that they didn't have money. It was, they were too afraid of credit card debt, but then they couldn't buy cars. They couldn't get apartments and like even to lease, like you need credit for an apartment or a car. Buying furniture, like you need credit. So and credit cards are huge. Like they can be such a good resource for your credit, for traveling, things like that. Oh yeah. Travel. Like I was another thing. Like speaking of like credit cards, like the rewards and there's different cards with different rewards programs for your lifestyle, what you're interested in. Like I'm a travel person, so I have the Capital One venture and Mm -hmm. I literally, I haven't spent any points since I got my card when I was 16. Like the amount of miles I have right now and I'm just dying to like go somewhere to use them. But I've been waiting for like a really big trip to help, you know, make it a little bit more affordable or my American Airlines miles too. But, but yeah, like finding rewards. Like if you like to eat out, like getting like two times dining or whatever different cards, like that is so important. They actually can help you, but yeah, you have to be careful. Can help you. And you want to like the way that credit cards work is there's the statement due date and then the payment due date. So if you get a credit card and you want to let the statement hit, that means like, okay, these transactions have gone through and now you owe them. And if your payment due date falls like a week after you get your first paycheck and all of your bills are that week, you can actually call the credit card company and have a conversation with them and ask them to move that due date so that it's a little bit more manageable. Like get paid twice a month, put some bills at the beginning of the month, some bills towards the end of the month. That way it's not so overwhelming, but credit cards are a huge resource when used properly. Yeah. Are you a fan of having automatic payments or paying them manually? Um, Because I ask because like, I personally pay my card. I have an automatic 150 every month just in case I forget to do it. And like, at least the minimum is paid, but I always pay as much as it as of it as I can. But like, having it automatic. So you don't even see the money come into your paycheck, like it or your bank account, it just automatically from your paycheck direct bill. Or do you like doing it manually and like playing with your money and knowing where it's going? So I'm psycho a little bit about that because I have to do it manually because I want to, I literally will go through every transaction and I use the Copilot app to budget. And so it will put all the transactions through this app and it will show me like you can classify different categories. So I'll go through, make sure all the categories are correct, make sure all the transactions are correct, and then I'll pay my credit card. But also, if you're a forgetful person, set a reminder, or I was traveling in May and in Costa Rica, and I actually forgot to pay my credit card. So I got a late fee. But instead of freaking out, all I did was call the credit card company and was like, hey, I've made all my on-time payments like for this amount of time. Can you please waive this late fee? And they were like, yeah, sure. And so here's your 30 bucks back. So all you have to do is ask the question too. Like, I personally like going through it manually. If you're not going to be able to do that or you don't want to do that, definitely set up automatic payments. But then if something happens, just ask the question. Like the worst they're going to say is no. Yeah, that's important. I used to use Mint a lot when Mm -hmm. I was in college and law school and do the same thing, the budgeting. I need to set that up again. I remember when I first took out loans, actually to go back to that. So the, I have the, um, I borrowed the $20,000 a year unsubsidized for Mm -hmm. law school. And then I did a private loan actually I got it at a really good interest rate and then I've only had to pay that one back so far since threes so it wasn't too bad and I borrowed the very bare minimum for my living expenses I we calculated how much like 
based yeah. off of my average spending a month in college and gro- how much I, on average, I spent on groceries. We calculated how much I would need to spend a month mm-hmm. and plus how much rent and then times, you know, the nine months I was going to be in school. And that's what I took out in loans. I, so I ended up only borrowing, I have a total of 86,000 in loans for law okay. school, which is insane. Wow. That is enough. Yeah. And that's because I had a 50% scholarship, but so I keep that in mind as well. It would have been more if I had to pay my entire tuition, but yeah, 60 of it is federal and mm-hmm. only 25 of it is private loans. So, but so keeping that in mind too, that there's different ways of taking a loans. They don't all have to be like federal. They can be like, you right. can play around with it and play around with the interest rates. Um, but yeah. And I remember doing the budget in going into law school and every semester I would sit down with my parents and we would check my credit card and see like, you know, how much I needed to reduce my spending by and keeping track of it and seeing like, and I would keep buckets of like, I'm only going to spend this amount of money on dining out a month, this amount of money on, you know, gas or whatever it is. And the pandemic did help me in the sense that I came back home. I didn't have to spend a whole lot of money anymore. So that really helped. I know that's not the same for everyone, but yeah, keeping track of your money is so, so important. I really need to set up my budget again now that I'm working and I have a lot more money than I used to, but it's so crazy when you start tracking your money to see where it goes. Like I know I eat out a lot, but that's something that we like to do. So even if we're not spending, like we can still reduce that though. Like we can still enjoy eating out, but not as frequently as we used yeah, to. And that's so important too. Like don't stop doing the things that you enjoy doing. Like if you like eating out, that is your treat for the week. Like don't stop doing that because then you're going to be miserable and then you're going to start having an even more negative mindset around money because you're going to be resentful. And then exactly. it's like, I can't go out with my friends. Sorry, I'm broke. And it's like, we don't see you anymore. Like, come on, one drink. And then you go out and you go crazy. And then you're mad that you finally let yourself go crazy because you finally saw your friends. Like, right. So it can get really spirally very quickly. So Man. that's a good point to like save the money, like not save it, but like budget for how you are going to spend your money and then reduce expenses in other places. So you have that money. Right. I always say is the guilt-free permission that you get to spend. Like if you know where your money is, you can create that plan based on what you want it to be and you can spend accordingly. And therefore you don't feel guilty about it. Like when we go out for burgers or something, I'm not going to feel guilty. Like, oh my gosh, like, can we afford this? And then travel too. We love traveling and travel can be so expensive with airlines, hotels, activities, food. So if we can completely reduce the cost of hotels and airlines based on credit card points, which we've been doing, I couldn't tell you the last time I paid for an airline. I I honestly need to start doing that. But luckily lately, I've been traveling a lot with my parents. So like they have their miles and like they use it for us. So that's Mm -hmm. mostly why I've been able to rack up so many, but I like, I honestly am excited to like, okay, where am I going to go on my first trip that I get to use my points? Like I'm excited. And then you get to go on the trip. You don't have the two biggest expenses of airlines and hotels and you can enjoy the activities and the like food scene there. If that's something you're interested in. Yeah. It's just figuring out like where to cut the cost. Yeah. And that's why having the budget is so important. Are there any other apps that you like to do this? You said Copilot. I mentioned Mint. Are there any other ones that you I've only ever used? I use Mint a little bit, but I have used Copilot, I think, for like two years now. And they keep updating it, which is awesome. They now have a desktop version. So if I don't have my phone and I want to do it like more high level on my computer, I can do that as well. And the thing I like about I don't know if Mint had this, but Copilot has all of your investments as well. Yeah, Mint has it. Well, you have to up 
upload them. But I like that about Mint too, that I can see, like I saw my net worth essentially because it said like, this is your debt. This is your investment. Student Mm -hmm. loans are here. All of my different accounts were on there. So it was cool. I can kind of see like a high level view of everything. And like my Fidelity, I got to put in there Acorn. Like I have like, I forget that I have an Acorn. Every time I open, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of money in here. Like I really should do something with it. Well, and that's exactly the point. It helps you keep all of those bank accounts and investment accounts in one spot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like those like Acorn or like those like little roundup ones? Do you recommend any of those or like, is there a benefit to having them? I I set that up back in college. I forget that it's there. I mean, I think that's great to start with. I don't personally have it. I just, I use uh, uh, Marcus for my high yield savings account, but I know people who have Wealthfront and I think Wealthfront does something similar when choosing if we're going to talk about high yield savings accounts. Actually, so, I was I was about to go there because I am I want to open one. So yeah, what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, so when we were talking about like the first steps post-grad to save $1,000, don't save it at like Wells Fargo or Truist or some bank like that that's a traditional bank because you're literally going to make pennies in interest. I had a friend text it's last month. It's 0.01. I see it. Right, she <laughs> sent me a picture last month and it was literally 0.01% of her interest. And I was like, we got we got to move this money. So if you open a high yield savings account, make sure it's FDIC insured, which most of them are. So Marcus is what I use. It's Marcus by Goldman Sachs. And all of them will have different interest rates just because they keep changing with inflation, stuff like that. But they're all typically four to 5%, which is a lot more than getting one cent every month. You're going to get four to 5% of the money you keep in there. So they also don't have, I don't know why but truest charged me seven dollars every single month for a maintenance fee and I was like what are you maintaining I don't have that much money here like you know it's ten thousand dollars and I moved it to Marcus and all I get is an interest payment so this is interest working for you rather than the interest we were talking about before with debt where it's working against you so you can make four to five percent on just keeping your money in this account which why wouldn't you do that yeah, I've been wanting to do that because I have so I have two businesses plus my own personal account. So I have different bank accounts and so I have different maintenance fees. And I was like, okay, I want to have an account that is just like I want I have my savings, which is my emergency fund at this point. Then I want to open a savings account that like is money that I use to for fun, like my fund money or and then my fidelity is my down payment for my future house, like my stocks. Like I want to have a different account and then that money be in there to cover any maintenance fees that I end up incurring or any interest charges, you know, yeah. in case that my credit card gets a little too out of hand at some point. Like different I just want to have different pools of money in different places. Also right. so it's a diversified portfolio and it's I have different it's working for me in different ways, not just yes. all sitting there. Cause that, I see that savings account growing and I'm like, okay, like I want to do something with this. Like, this is great, but like I can be doing so much more. And like, I've been researching Marcus and Ally or Ally is the other one that I heard of. Um, Those are both awesome. So, and my sister, she just graduated college. She's in New York working her first job and she's very similar. Like she likes watching that savings grow so much. And so she has a Marcus account cause we opened that up and I was like, this is awesome. Like you have a lot of money in here. But keep three months of expenses there and then put the rest in an Exactly. Investment. Yeah. I'm like, there doesn't need to be so much money in here. Right. Um, and I think it depends too. Like the recommendation is three to six months of expenses. Get to that first thousand and that's awesome. And then you're going to want to save three to six months. But I think it also depends on like, do you have a family? Because you'll want more money. Do you have pets? Do you own yeah. your house? Do you rent? 
things like that will make it kind of like, okay, do I need three months? Do I need six months? And that's kind of how you can decide. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of, like I mentioned, like my down payment is in stocks. Do you have any recommendations for anyone who is looking to make those high ticket item like purchases, like a car or a house or an apartment or something like for for someone like us, like that is just graduating, starting out, you know, they're, they, let's say they, you know, they got their debt in control. They opened a credit card. They have their high yield savings account. They're, they have their 401k set up with their company. They got that handled. Now they want to start putting away money for the future and building their wealth and being able to own their own property and own their own car. What do you recommend for people like that? Yeah. So definitely get that employer match with the 401k that is free money. So if a lot of chiropractors, actually, if you're an associate, don't have that benefit, which I don't, I don't have that as a starting my own firm. Right. On a podcast like last week and I was like, I brought that up and she said, I I do it now. And I was like, good. Like that needs to be the norm. You need to offer, like if you're having an employee for three to five years, invest in their future as well. Give them a three to 4% match. And so get that. And if you're trying to save for a wedding, a down payment, a house, stuff, stuff like that, I would put it in. So you can have that high yield savings account, at least with Marcus, you can then do different like buckets or sinking funds is what they're called. So like you said, you have your savings account, that emergency fund, then you have like a down payment account, just so it separates it out. And it's not like $80,000 right here. Or, you know, it's broken. I did that on Bank of America. Like Bank of America is like my private, like my own personal debit card that I've had since I was a kid. And in there, like it doesn't actually separate the money that's in my savings account, but it does like, it's all in there in one pool. But like when you open it, then it shows the buckets and I have like a down payment. I have a travel fund and then I have like a fun money fund. Like, yeah, that's a great way to manage your money. Just break it apart into different things that you're trying to accomplish. And then once you get that employer match, I would open an IRA. So you have to be earning income to open an IRA. It is, you can literally just go and open one. You can do it with Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, or you could use a robo-advisor. So when I first started, I was like, I kind of know what I'm doing, but I also don't fully trust myself. So I opened one, an IRA with Betterment, which is similar to Wealthfront as well. They go in and you say, okay, I'm a long ways away from retiring. So I want to be more risky right now. I don't have kids. I yeah. don't have a house. So I'm in 90% stocks, 10% bonds. So it's a riskier portfolio. But as I get closer to retirement, it will automatically reallocate all of my investments for me. So I don't have to go there every year and like mess around with the percentages and stuff. Um, And they invest you in Vanguard funds. It's called their Betterment Core. They go in and it's just a whole slew of them for a good diversified portfolio, which is what you want. And it's so easy. So again, I got my sister. She's like, I don't want to learn that right now. So I was like, all right, oh, I'm going to go and like, literally like my, my dad gets home to me like, hi, so uh, we're going to do this right now. <laughs> so we, I just opened up a Betterman IRA for her and the income or the contribution limit for 2023 is $6,500. So if $500 a month is a lot of money for you, which it is start with $50 a month, work your way up to $100. Like putting that money into an IRA will work for you once you're out of that high interest debt. And then if you have that fully funded emergency fund, the money that you used to be putting there to fund it, put it towards that IRA. If you can max out that IRA, then go back to your 401k and start contribution, start contributions there even more aggressively because you can do 22,500 
in that account. So it's a lot more than the IRA. Yeah. That's, I like that point that you mentioned too. Like it's okay. Like if 500 is a lot, start with 50. Like you have to make your money work for you. And that's something that people are so afraid of. They're like, I can't save and invest. I don't have the money to do it. It's like, if you have $10, that's a good start. Like I saw something Mm -hmm. the other day, I think it was Barbara Corcoran. And she said like, if you put 25 and she's real estate. So, but she happened to be talking about like advice that she learned as a kid or wish she would have learned younger to Mm -hmm. on a podcast. And she's like, you start putting $25 a month when you're 25. Right. And by the time you're in your 60s, you're at a million dollars or more. Like a, you can start with 25 bucks or $10 or $5 or even a dollar. Like you don't need to, you have to make it work for you. You can start where you're at and you add up as you go. And if like one month you can't put any in there because you needed that money, then that's fine. But right. You know, but if you start younger in your 20s, you have time to work with you. If you're starting in your 40s, that's still okay, but you're not going to have as much time to let that compound interest compound exponentially. Yeah. Which is why you can invest $6,500 a year and end up with a million dollars in 40 years, yeah. which is just so crazy for me to think about. Like, yeah. I mean, I can't even do the math of that. Like, I'm sure you can. So to me, it just like is fascinating like I literally I have to use a calculator to calculate tip people like we said they think investing so complicated but if you open one investment account and get your employer match you can have over yeah that's a good start that's a really good start it's such a good start are there any credit cards that you recommend for someone that's new into credit cards I started with a student card the capital Mm -hmm. journey and then I upgraded that when I got to college to the venture card my junior and senior year of college because I was starting to work more and I knew I was going to go to law school. So I wanted to be able to have points to travel back home and like different things. My bar trip, I wanted to save up money and be able to get miles for that. But you know, there's the discovery student card. There's other different like starter cards. What do you recommend or what do you like? I think that I was similar. I had a student card forever ago, but I was fortunate. My parents opened that like right when I started working at 16 or 17. And I use that for a while, but I would say if you have no credit cards at all or no credit, get a student card if you can, or get a $0 like cash back card because you're more likely to get approved for that. If you get that first card, put some money on it, spend it for a couple months. And then after like 90 days, I would go back and my all-time favorite card is the Chase Sapphire Preferred. I want to get that card. Yeah. It's a low annual fee. It's only $95 and you will you get so many benefits. One of them being the travel perks, but they also come with a lot of card protections. So we're going to Montana in August and we're renting a car. I'm so oh, jealous. I was just talking about going to Montana. That's funny. So excited. We don't have to buy the extra insurance for the rental car because our credit cards have rental insurance on them. So it's in the fine print that most people just overlook, but you get like purchase protection, rental car protection, stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny. My so we were at in Marco Island last weekend, and me and my mom were like, "Oh, like to our server, she was she was really pretty." And we're like, "Oh, like you have a an accent we haven't heard before. Where are you from?" She's like, "Montana. I'm just here for the season." Oh. We're like, "Oh, like what's the, actually we've never been, but something I wanted we want to do. Like when's the best time to go to?" She's like, "August, September." And then it gets starting to get too cold, and my mom was like, "Is that where we're going?" <laughs> I was like, "Do you want to go?" I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say no." I literally Googled. I was like, well, when does it start getting cold? Because I don't want to go when it's freezing outside. Yeah, no. And I'll, cause I asked her, I was like, when does it start getting colder? She's like, by October, you guys wouldn't be able to handle it anymore. Like 
it's it's gonna be too cold for you we're like okay noted because our birthday is thanksgiving so we always go on a trip for thanksgiving and she was um, i love that we were gonna go to new york and do the thanksgiving day parade um my mom's like new york is just way too expensive right now let's try to do something else and so i think we're gonna do montana and just do it like a lot earlier and let that be like our birthday trip but um that's funny i think the I want to get the Chase Sapphire card next as like one of my business cards, even though it's like not a business card, but I looked at them and I was like, the business cards don't make sense for me. I don't have an office. I don't have overhead. I'm not going to buy equipment or software or computers. Like, you know, how can I make this work for me? And it be still I, like, I'd be traveling for work. And, you know, so like, it makes sense that I get a card that is yeah. going to allow me to do that. If um, you get the Chase Sapphire preferred card, I mean, I just, I love that card. And then you can get, so I, again, I don't have an office. This is my podcast studio. Um, (laughs) And I got the Chase Business Inc. I I have, I have it and I don't use it. I literally have no, I have one thing on it and I pay it off every month and that's it. But I, the reason I got it was because it was at an elevated bonus, welcome bonus offer. So I think I got like a hundred thousand points and I don't ever use it now because I don't really have business expenses. But I was able to take those 100,000 points and combine them with my Chase Sapphire preferred points. Okay. How, okay. That's not fair. Like they literally said, I can't do that. Maybe I would call back. Like I would call and ask a couple people because the guy was just like, yeah, you just combine them. And my husband and I, we both have the Chase Sapphire card and we combine points all the time. They told me I couldn't do that. Interesting. I need to look into that because I definitely, I, I had the business ink card because of the same like starter (laughs) deal and I just don't use it. So I was like, can I transfer it to like, can I, I know I'm not, I don't want to close it and open another account because it's going to hit yeah. my credit. So can I change it for the other one? They're like, no, because that's a business card and that's a personal card. You can't do that. And I was like, okay. So then my plan was like, wait until it's been a few months that there's nothing on there and close it and then open another one. But I just call and ask if that, if you open the Chase Sapphire Preferred, because that is the card that gives you access to the ultimate rewards portal. So it yeah. should, you should definitely be able to transfer that. Yeah. I have a lot of like, that's something that's been really on my mind in the last, now that I've been out of law school for a year, mm-hmm. I've been really trying to figure out like finances and like different ways of like, cause all the different business accounts. And, and I personally, for me, I have each business in a different bank just for me to know like, which one is which and not mix them up and not commingle money. And that's just, that was my personal preference. My mom was like, that's stupid. But I was like, it works for me. It's fine. Um, but it was like, how can I start now? Because I have accounts in different banks, how can I have multiple savings account and have different pools in different places? And like, what credit cards do I want to get um, for my business cards, my personal? Um, she has the Venture X and I have the Venture and like, but I don't have, it's my only credit card. So I was like, okay, now I can get a business credit card start doing that. There's going to be a lot more coming in. I can use that, those rewards on that card. I was thinking either like a Delta Amex to start getting Delta miles since those are the two big airlines I fly or like a bit small business Amex since they tend to have pretty good business cards. I was like, and then I, I keep hearing about Chase. I was like, okay, I think I wanted to Chase, but I have a Chase account, but then they wouldn't yeah. let me do this. So, so the are preferred specifically is very because I know there's a reserve as well but the preferred is very flexible so the reserve also gives you access to the portal but it has a higher annual fee I think it's like dollars so I was just like I'm going to only pay 95 for this um and you can transfer the points so that's how we get a lot of bang out of our buck is we'll transfer chase points to Hyatt 
and book Hyatt hotels or we'll transfer them to, um, you can transfer them to Delta or no, you can't do Delta. There's three airlines that we, oh, Southwest is one of them. So sometimes we'll fly Southwest. I think it is Delta. It's either Delta or American, but you can take chase points and make them other airline or other hotel points is the point. However, if you fly Delta all the time, like we do, we also have a Delta Amex card because we want the companion pass. We want the lounge access. And we are, my, we're from Atlanta. So Delta is like. It's a Delta. We're an American hub in Miami. So I've only ever flown like literally up until college. I don't think I had ever flown anything but American until I studied abroad. Or no, we went to Italy and we did Air, it- Air Italia, which I think was part of American at some point through yeah. whatever like so I was like it basically was American and I had never flown anything but American and then everyone started hating on it I was like I I don't know I like it but it's because my mom has the American Airlines card so we get lounge access we get the free bags the free yeah. bags, and all of that but I've been flying Delta a little bit more because I was in law school in Knoxville and it was like yeah I went to Tennessee for law school oh um, I was in Knoxville the past this past year that's funny I graduated in 2022, but yeah, so I, I was like, I'm not driving to Atlanta or Nashville or Charlotte to fly home. So I got used to flying Allegiant and I hated it. And then I literally will never fly Allegiant again. I don't care how cheap it is. I really to fly Allegiant. I hate that. Well, it's not even, it doesn't even end up that cheap once you have to pay for your seat in the bag. No. They can't, they would, I don't know how many times my flight would get delayed and then ultimately canceled. Let me, okay. So we went, we were going to go, this was last year, 2022. We were going to go because I was going to be studying for the bar. So we took a trip for Easter weekend. My mom was like, we'll like take you guys on a cruise for the weekend and like last hurrah before you have to start studying. It was spring break and Easter in the same weekend. I was supposed to fly home Friday or Thursday and Friday we were going to hop on a cruise ship in the morning. Thursday, my flight keeps getting delayed. And I was like, Okay, there's just, I know, like, I, this has happened before. Like, I have, like, this sinking feeling in my gut that I'm going to be stuck here. Like, there's no other flights. There was literally nothing until Monday. I'd be back at school on Monday. So I was like, all right, like, sorry, you spent $1,000 on my cruise ship. Like, I'll pay you back. I don't know what you want me to do. But, like, I, there's just no way. I flew on Allegiant to West Palm and took the bright line. <laughs> so I flew at 6 in the morning. Oh, my gosh. To West Palm Beach. I had never been to that airport. I had no clue where the hell I was. Yeah. Got I Ubered from the West Palm Beach airport to the Brightline. Thankfully, the Brightline had just opened. Took the Brightline to downtown Miami, and my parents picked me up in downtown all the way to the port, the cruise ship terminal. And yeah, yeah. oh, but like that was like ingenuity. Like I don't yeah. know how we, because I literally start calling. I had friends that are like are like pilots, like for fun, and I was like, I know you're in Orlando, but like, would you mind coming to get me in Tennessee? Like, I'll pay for you. I don't care how much you charge me, but like, I need to get home. I like, I was like, do I drive to Atlanta? Do I drive to Nashville? Like, I, I, I literally was like, there's no way. Like, I, I don't know. It was hilarious how that ended up happening, but I hate Allegiant with the burning. Knoxville Airport's so small that there's such like such a small amount of flights that go in and out. But it's also like, okay, pay the extra hundred bucks to fly to Knoxville or drive the three hours to one of the bigger airports. Yeah. Also yeah. sucks. I literally I hate it. Like I like the Knoxville Airport in the sense that you can get there and in 2.5 seconds you're at your gate. But like right. any other reason, I hated it so much. And my friend lives in Chattanooga and she has to take a charter to Atlanta to fly anywhere from Chattanooga so good even worse than Knoxville and I was like I literally like I love my friends in Chattanooga dearly but like 
I don't plan to visit you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm not doing it. Like, you, we can meet somewhere else. Like, I hate this place. Like, it's too small. The airport scares me. But that's funny that you're from Atlanta. I've, I also have never really been to Atlanta. I think when I was a kid, I went once to the Coke factory. And then I would drive through it coming back and forth from school. Hmm. But I, I, we always knew when we were hitting Atlanta too, because of traffic, we were like an hour out. We are like, all right, we're going to be here for a while. Well, so I'm originally from DC and that was like, you had two huge airports to choose from yeah. and I went to Atlanta and that's where I met my husband, but I was there for like four and a half, five years. Did you go to Life University for chiropractic I, school? My chiropractor went there and his kids go there. It's like... In my opinion, it's the best, but it is the most like campus feel of a school. And Atlanta was so fun to be in for like your post college life. It looked really fun. I honestly wish like we would joke that we were going to go to Nashville or Atlanta every couple weekends for fun. And we just never did. Yeah. I don't see the graphic at all. Like at all. I can't imagine. But yeah, my chiropractor went to Life University and his... So his daughter is one of, she's one of my friends. Her boyfriend goes to life with her twin brother and her sister. Like, so and then she's in, she goes, she just graduated from Emory law. So they're all like, they're all in Atlanta. Uh, which is Like, that's cool. Like that, like everyone, like they, they look like they have such a fun time, but I never got to go. Same Natasha. Is she the yeah. one? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I know like she was a the, Kod- the Kodanak family. Yes. That's my character. Actually. Tammy, no the, the mom, she just texted me. She's like, do you want to come in from, I'm like, I am sunburnt. I am not coming, but thank you. <laughs> I'll see you next week, but I'm not sunburnt. Behind me. Um, but I knew like a, a friend of hers better than I knew her. But yeah, life is a huge chiropractic school. There's one, there's not many, but there's a handful. And Atlanta's just like such a desirable location. Yeah. Other than like Iowa. Yeah. Um, I'm in Florida too, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, I had never heard of, like, it's funny when you mentioned, like, you didn't like PT school, but you didn't really know anything about chiropractic school. Like, no one talks about that. Like, I, until, like, I didn't even know where my doctor went for literally until I recognized, I was like, wait, like, her and her siblings, like, they go to school in Atlanta and they're studying to be chiropractors. Like, what school do they go to? And then I saw it and I was like, oh, that's a thing. (laughs) Like, I did not know that that was like, I was like, how do you become a chiropractor? I have no idea. It's not like a med school that's a part of a bigger university. It's yeah, like it's just home school. But yeah. Well, I guess life has an undergrad as well, which I did not know that. But oh, I didn't know that either. I learned something new every day. But yeah, yeah, no, I think it's it's funny. Like also small world that you know people that I know. But no, I think it's really cool. I honestly I'm still fascinated that, that was how you got into all of this. It's like you recognizing, like, okay, we need to do something about this and I want to help my friends and I want to help myself be able to manage this. Cause that's honestly really like I I know a lot of my friends were very like the reason they feel pressured sometimes is to to go into big law or to go to these firms and these high paying jobs is because of how much debt they're in. And then they feel stuck that they can't leave. Like the golden handcuffs are really real. And I've been feeling it in the sense that I'm self-employed and I have been on my parents' health insurance, but I'm about to turn 26 at the end of the year. So my mom was like, like we can't afford to pay your self-employed health insurance. Like, you know, it's going to be really expensive. Like she's like, we pulled the policy. She's like, yeah, I pay less for the entire family than what you would be paying for you. Like I can't, I was like, can we split it? Like I, cause I, 
loans are coming back and yeah. car insurance I need to start paying for too and health insurance. And I was like, okay, like maybe I need to go to a firm and get a healthcare plan. I don't know what to do. So exactly why I started it was I'm not this financial multi-million dollar guru who's coming to like teach you. I'm going through these same experiences. Like again, I just got my car insurance redone and my parents had been helping with my car insurance. And then I went and figured it out. And I was like, do you actually like, can you show me what you were, what my coverage was when you had it? And then I went and looked and I was like, well, I can't afford to pay that. So like, thanks for the great coverage for all those years, but I'm going to cover myself a lot less. And it's just like, that's a real thing that. And that's scary that like, you know, like God forbid you get into an accident, you don't have the same coverage, but it's, yeah. I had, thankfully my dad's a veteran. So my plan alone for my car insurance is at USAA. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I got my own plan when I was in law school because Tennessee insurance is cheaper. They're like, can you give us a break? And like, I was like, I, I was like, I really was like, I refuse to change my phone number and I refuse to change my license plate. Like I'm a Florida girl through and through. I don't care if I stay in Nashville. And they're like, you're getting on Tennessee insurance. I'm sorry, it's cheaper. <laughs> like I can't. <laughs> and then I had to switch mine back to Florida and it hurt really bad. And I was like, damn it. Why did I do this to myself? My husband is a veteran as well. So we're through USAA. And my parents were just like, all right, look, you're married. Like, come on. And I was like, yeah, I need to just do this. It was just one of those tasks that we just hadn't transferred over yet. Um, but yeah, Texas is, it's expensive. And I wouldn't expect it to be that expensive. Really? But I feel like there's a lot of underinsured people in Texas or not insured. So it's higher. Florida's um, like that too. Health insurance is a whole other thing that we don't even need to go there. But again, chiropractors don't offer health insurance coverage. So I have a lot of friends who don't have health insurance because they're either both chiropractors or they're not, they're single. So their employer doesn't offer it and it's just too expensive. Um, I luckily use my husband's health insurance. My dad's on my mom's and my dad works at a bank. And I was like, that's how good my mom is. And I was like, I'm sad. Like, I'm really sad. I'm not ready to get off of this. So um, crazy. Literally this year, we changed his company changed and we we're like, we're healthy. We can pay a higher, like have a higher deductible. Yeah. And so it's a less monthly payment. And then my husband literally January 1st and January 5th was in the hospital and we hit our deductible for the year. And I was like, well, at least we hit it at the beginning. Right. But it's just so crazy how health insurance works, his hospital bill. So he just had like a tonsillar abscess that got infected and stuff. Long story short, for two hospital stays for a couple of hours was over $30,000. Like it was, he didn't even take an ambulance. He drove himself both times. And I was like, what is happening? How is it $30,000? The price gouging is crazy, but we won't go there. We won't go there. Yeah, no, it, oh, that, that, that physically hurts me. I remember, so I, I've, I've struggled with anxiety my entire life and I had never had a panic attack until college. I was studying for the LSAT and I had a toxic situation ship going on at the same time. So the, it, the stress wasn't related to, I mean, I'm sure at some level it was related to law school and the LSAT, but like that he was stalking and harassing and crazy text messages. And I just remember I was at my sorority house trying to study. It was like a party night. So everyone was gone. I was like, finally some peace and quiet. I can sit here and study. And I just, he like, I don't know why I don't, I don't know why I hadn't blocked him. To be honest, I really, I should have blocked him a long time before this. It's like 2020. He, yeah. He kept like, my phone was just, I, I learned to put my phone on and computer on do not disturb. It was right when you could sync them up back in 2018. And I has not come off. 
<laughs> like I literally like have found you in a store permanently that time but it was just every five seconds flashing and like not just my phone buzzing but like the computer pings and that it was that like that and I just I remember I jaywalked across the street to the fraternity house that I was like sweetheart for and I'm pretty sure there was a car coming I literally was I it was bad I ran over there and I was like who's not drunk or high and can take me to the hospital because right now like I literally like lost it and they had all like I had been MIA for a few months so they had noticed something was wrong but nobody had been able to get through to me because I was hiding because of this guy like I didn't want like I literally was like it could have been like a fraternity war like I did not want that and I remember walking there I was like someone needs to help me I lose it go to hospital they just do an EKG and my like that copay was like 80 bucks and then I remember getting the bill and I don't even know how much it was at this point and I was like, thank fucking God, I have health insurance. Right. All I needed was an EKG. That, and, and I was dehydrated because I had, I literally, and that was Wednesday night and the LSAT was on Saturday. Like, oh my gosh. I ended up taking it again that my score went up. But I just, and then the time after I took it the second time, I literally, it was the last football game of the year. And my senior, like senior tailgate, it was a big deal. I didn't eat anything. I ate, all I ate was breakfast and a granola bar on the break of the LSAT. And yeah. I was like, screw this. I'm getting wasted. Like I needed to like, I'm done. Like I'm mentally, like I, I'm at my limit. I just went to the tailgate. I, I think I had a banana and I went and got wasted. Mm-hmm. No food in my system. We go to the bar to watch the game after because no one at my school actually, even though we were good, we didn't go to the games because our stadium is called the bounce house for obvious reasons. It bounces like crazy. No one wants to be there. So we go to the bars and my friend gives me a hug. The guy who took me, take me to the hospital a few days ago. He's like, how was it? How are you? Gives me a hug. I lose it. Mm-hmm. it come to at two 30 in the morning. The cops gave me a wellness check ride home. Not because wow. I was drunk. I had sobered up long before that. Yeah. I literally cried. I missed the entire game. Oh my gosh. My poor friend told me while I cried for four hours. Oh Six, probably because it was 2 30 in the morning. And the yeah. bar was closed and the cops were like, is she okay? Like, can you and he's like, She's not okay, but like she's not drunk. She's fine. She's just not okay. And they were like, Do you need her help taking her home? And the cops, because they could get into my apartment, <laughs> took me home. Oh my gosh. And I just remember I laugh at it now, but that was what it's not even scary, it's just sad. Um, but yeah, hospital bills are out of control. They are. I'm honestly really scared for when I have to start paying my own health insurance. And I looked, I was like, can I do one of those like expended or expected payment things that it's just like you pay as you go, but then I'm not, I, it depends on like, they pay like basically like they'll pay up to $40 for a wellness visit. And then you pay the difference if your doctor charges more than that. And Which I was is, like, again, it's, it's fine. Also- like, yes, I'm 25. I'm healthy. Yeah. I go to the doctor twice a year max, like, you know, my primary and my gyno, like I don't need to go anywhere else, but in the event that something happens and not having coverage, like that's the fear with any, of course, it's always the fear. So I was like looking at like on healthcare.gov, like putting in my zip code, my, my doctors right now to make sure they're in network. And my plan would be $600 a month, five something. And I was like, yeah, with loans and help like I'm at minimum like $1,200 a month on just two payments because that's putting a little more into my loans than like the bare minimum and I was like 
because my loans, my private loans are $300 a month. So not including federal, I don't know how much that's going to be probably about 600. So we're at nine plus another 600. Yeah. It's like 1200, $1,500 a month. And I was like, yeah, no, because my monthly expenses personally are about a thousand dollars a month. So that's easily $2,500 a month that I just need to have. And I was like, I can't promise that every month I'll have that. Like, I don't know. I'm self-employed. Like it's not stable and I'm single. Right. Literally was like my I have my friends in Big Law that are single. I was like, hey, does anyone want to marry me? <laughs> um, I like literally like it will be a platonic relationship. You could stay in New York. I'll stay in Florida. <laughs> but like, can we be married so I could get your firm's health insurance? It's just so crazy, like how complex and the health insurance to me is complicated. Like money, finances, it does not have to be complicated. Health insurance, no, I'm not. It's, I need to get someone on the podcast who can explain it just not just for me because but like one for me but also just for people because I know that I'm not the only one going through this especially like at this phase of our lives where we're coming out of grad school and like a lot of us are turning we're turning 26 we're getting married we're starting to like think of future families houses like all these different things you know people who want to have a family and kids like you need at least for your kids have health insurance at the very least you know car insurance property insurance property taxes like all these different expenses and it's like shit just got real like that that was like my mental breakdown two weeks ago I literally was like why did I do this like who let me grow up I and then Taylor Swift the the album just came out and never grow up came on and I literally was driving (laughs) I was like why did I do this to myself this kid is to be a grown-up and then as soon as you're an adult you're like why why are we doing this yeah there was a Joe Rogan um podcast and I know he can be like kind of controversial but I don't listen to him a lot he had a podcast episode though that deep dove into health insurance with a guy whose job was to sell health insurance so he was like out of the field and everything but he was exposing like all the back end of it and how it's just so it's all about money I can't think of the guy who he had on it starts with a b and I want to say his last name's butler but I can look for it and I'll send it to you it was like yeah if you find send it to me I'll look for it but um it was such a good episode though and it's of course like two hours and I was like how the heck am I gonna listen to a two-hour podcast yeah I just ran through it it was so good no but that's so important like that's it's so important to have friends who are experts in these fields or at least listen to podcasts and that's the beauty of social media is that you get to connect with these people that you wouldn't have access to otherwise and you know it it's honestly a game changer because it has helped me so much having this podcast I've learned so much and I've grown so much but also just having access to these conversations like teaching people the importance of money like maybe nobody like some one of my listeners has never had this conversation before and like we've been joking a lot but like there's still some really great information in here and it's like maybe they're like questions of like oh maybe I should start thinking about those things even though yeah you might be 23 and you have a few more years but honestly that's like the best time to start thinking about it. I remember when I went to law school at 22 21 22 and I was like okay like I I recognized early on I didn't want to firm and I knew that I was gonna be self-employed so I started looking at SEP RI IRAs Roth IRAs I started thinking about high high yield savings account and like all these different things I asked for more money in stocks. Like I, you know, my parents said for birthday, I literally for my birthday and Christmas, I was like, don't give me gifts, like give me money. I want to buy stocks with it. Like 
I literally spent money for my birthday and Christmas and my bar trip on stocks and like my trip. Like that was my, my gift to myself was like, I, and and, like, I bought myself one handbag as like a graduation gift to myself. I was like, this is an investment piece too. At the same time, like, you know, I was like, I need to make sure that I'm setting myself up because I have one more year of being covered. And like with a loan freeze, I was like, I'm chilling for a year, but I know shit's going to get real in 2024. And sure enough, it's starting to like, you know, feel real. And I want to buy a house and, you know, move out of my parents' house. And like Miami is just a whole nother, I'm sure Atlanta's similar buying a house there. It's probably not easy right now, but you know, thinking so, I'm like, do I buy an investment property first and start renting it right away? Or do I buy a house for myself first? And and we both had grad school. So a lot of people are coming out of school at 22, whereas we kind of came out of school at 25, 24, and they're getting started right away. So I actually had a conversation with a girl I used to work with who's 23. She just turned 24. And like, she's like, thank you for bringing these conversations and like these Absolutely. questions because I never would have started thinking about them. And that's really why I started it. I wanted to just have a group of people online in like, that I've never, you know, met before, but also people that I do know and just talk about it. Nobody talks about money or they didn't, especially older generations. It's like, don't talk about it. Especially women too. Like, right. That's the big one. Like why being, being someone who is a female in like the financial space, like, do you know, or have a feeling why like women are so afraid to talk about money and especially like tailoring it, not just women talking about it, but like, talking about it to women I I can't tell why that there is that all I can say is that when I see women they're just like oh my husband handles it oh my husband handles it it breaks my heart like I don't get mad I don't get frustrated it literally just no, makes me, me me too I'm like what if something happens to him my husband's mom lost my husband lost his dad young and then his mom was just like what do I what do I do And it's like, that is such a real thing that can happen. Like you need to be aware. You don't need to control all of it, but you need to understand enough of it. And especially with the divorce rate these days, like, yes, that sucks to think about, but that's a very real thing too. And you don't want to go and have a divorce and be like, my husband handles everything. Like, I don't, I don't know anything. I personally just like to be, I like to understand things and educate myself because that makes me feel more in control about different aspects of my life, which I don't know why, but it is so awesome to see the ever-changing, ever-evolving like shift that women are going through in the workplace, career-wise, like talking about money. There's definitely more discussions happening than I feel like ever before. It's, even with money, fertility, miscarriages, yeah. stuff. Never. I actually asked my mom the other day because people are so open now and just so vulnerable because it's how you relate to people. It's how you don't feel alone going through something like being broke or struggling financially or going through fertility issues or loss or something like that. And I asked her, I was like, have you ever experienced like a like fertility issues? Like we never talked about that. And I asked her like two weeks ago and she was like, yeah. And I had no idea. Like, yeah, was that not a conversation that we had? Why did we never talk like about money the way that my dad and I talked about money? But it's just interesting to see the different dynamics for sure. No, it's so true. It's it's funny you mentioned that because I so we already know that I'm going to struggle a little bit. Like I don't have any like I don't have um you know PCOS or anything, but we thought that I might. I don't believe I have endo- endometriosis, but that's also really hard to find. But I I did have some struggles with like, you know, reproductive stuff in college and I remember 
my doctor telling me like, you are most likely going to struggle with fertility issues. So I got off birth control already. Cause they're like, we want you to be able to regulate a lot sooner just in case, like, you know, also because I'm in a career where I most likely won't meet someone until a little bit later. And I remember coming like the first time my mom came with me to get a biopsy and like, I, I really, I, I couldn't, I didn't want her touching me. I was like, just don't talk to me. Like, just be there. Fine. You're there for more support. But like, I honestly hate that you're even here. The second time I was like, no, I'm going by myself. I literally, I made my dad leave work to pick me up from the hospital. Like I, I drove myself, but I could not get in the car and drive. I was bawling my eyes out so much. And I remember coming home and I was like, okay, mom, like we need to talk about this. Like, what does this mean? What is going on? Like, how's like, is there an issue with fertility in our family? Like what is happening? Like, and I learned so much about our family mental health history, our family fertility issues. Like I found out about things from my grandparents that I didn't know about, like my own mom, like she thought that she was pregnant two, six weeks after giving birth to my brother. Cause like, that's right when you can, you know, have sex again. And she was like, absolutely not. Like I can't do this. And she like considered abortion. She wasn't, it was like hormones, but she was freaking out. And I was like, I'm over here thinking like, I will never do that because I want, I'm scared that I won't be able to have a kid. And like, she can, and like, you just like the conversations, like our mindsets around these things. And I was like, I'm glad that I had the boss to have this conversation, but like, this is really scary. And I know that most people aren't having it. And that is kind of what led me to want to have the podcast is I was struggling with a lot of different things. And I was like, I'm going to have these conversations with people that I, maybe I'm friends with, maybe I'm not, but like, I don't, you know, it's like a little bit easier with a stranger sometimes than like with your own friends, but like, at least I'm having them and other people are hearing them and maybe having them with themselves and then being able to have the courage to have them with other people. Yeah, um, because the, you just have to talk about it, like embrace the vulnerability, embrace that you don't know something and then go learn about it or go change something about that. Like if you yeah. can't, it's a conversation. If it's, you know, listening to a podcast like this, you know, it's, I truly believe that the first step in changing your life is to educate yourself about what you're lacking or what you're stressed or confused about. Absolutely. And the beauty of social media and podcasts and YouTube is that education, you know, yes, there, if you have money and resources, it's a lot easier, but that gap is going away with so many free resources available if you have internet and like, yeah, go to the library at the very least and read a book or watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast. Um, because there's so many resources out there. And yeah, like my family came from nothing. Like we were immigrants. I'm the first generation in this family. My parents started absolutely nothing. My dad went to, to the military on a GI, you know, college on a GI bill. And I remember my high school graduation party was a joint graduation party. He got his master's so he wow. could get a higher paying job at a, another bank after the recession had hit. It was 2015. So like things were just finally picking up and you know, my mom started up as a secretary at her company and she's been there for 23 years and now she's going for senior vice president. Like, you know, back when you could do that, like you could work your way up from secretary. All she has is an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, now you need a, more than a bachelor sometimes, which is expensive and it's hard, but there's so many free resources. And that's why I'm lucky that social media, like I wouldn't have the career that I have, but I also wouldn't be who I am had I not had access to all this information and people like you. And I think too, with like higher education, that's a whole other thing. Like, yes, we have all this student loan stuff going on, but the root of the problem, in my opinion, is that college is just so expensive and the government's just willing to cover it. So you're getting an 18 year old with a hundred thousand dollars in debt that then they're going to pay close to 200,000 trying to pay it off. 
when you now like society, you just need a bachelor's degree to be considered for something. But imagine somebody who's got actual experience in the field, things like that, hands-on experience. I don't know. I think there's going to have to be some sort of shift or switch because college just cannot continue to get more expensive. I literally got an email like a month ago from life that they're increasing tuition. So I'm like, great. Now these students have more money that they're going to have to take out at higher interest rates. And they're just going to go into more debt. Like it's, it's a cycle that has to stop somewhere. Yeah. It's a business. I hate it. Um, Yeah. But I just think like having these resources, like, especially like it's so, it sounds so stupid. Like just like I make videos online, but like, no, like they're actually super impactful if people allow them to be. And I think we were saying about making it digestible and having the conversation. I think, yeah, having the courage to have the conversation. I think that that's the moral of this episode in general is just like being willing to talk about it. And if your parents don't have a great relationship with money and you have a scarcity mindset, then it's up to you to seek out people who can help you change that. And like, you don't have to sit in the same patterns that your family was in. And like you and I are really lucky that our parents taught us from a young age, the importance of money and saving and having a credit card and being self-sufficient. And that was something like you were talking about control. Like I literally, I've realized in the last three to six months that I have a fear of losing my independence. Yeah. It's financially, but also in a relationship. Like when women, it what you're saying about like, you feel sad, like sad for women who say like their husbands take care of it or their dad takes like, it physically pains me like that, not just pain. It scares me. Like it yeah. truly, like, I feel like this, like fear grab me of like, I am so scared that I won't be able to contribute that. I won't, you know, feel, I'm not asking to be equal. I'm asking to be able to feel like I can contribute to myself and that like, God forbid something happens. I'm okay. And like, thankfully my mom is very strong and she always like taught me like, she's like, if something happens between me and your dad, like, I'm, I'll be fine. Like, I have enough saved, like, and I didn't do it with that mindset of, like, in the event that we divorced, but, like, I was smart enough to know that, like, because she saw her mom go through it, and my grandma was left with nothing. So she's like, I'm not going to be that person, and I'm really lucky that my parents are together, and I live at home with them, and I see everything they've built, but, like, that, those conversations, even if they were, like, joking or in passing, really scared me, and, like, I see my friends, everyone getting married so young and having families. And I'm like, I really want it to work out for them. I really hope that they're being smart and that they're taking care of themselves because that freaking terrifies me. Yeah, and it does. And I mean, the divorce rate's only increasing. So you have to, everyone gives a prenup a negative connotation. As a lawyer, I literally, I remember I went on a date with the guy (laughs) and it wasn't really a date. We were by the pool and I was reading for family law. And the first it was like the first two weeks of school and the chapter that I happened to be reading was about divorces and like, and, and it was an introduction to prenups basically is what it was. And he was like, Oh, what are you reading? And it was like an instant question. I was like, what are you reading? I was like, Oh, about prenups. He was like, and I didn't think anything. I was like, I just literally answered the question. And he was like, I have a question for you. And I was like, what? He was like, would you ever go? And I said, absolutely. He was like, okay, then this is never going to work. And I was like, it's not right it's- away. He was like, my mom's a stay at home mom. And like, I don't believe in prenups. Like, that's what I, that's what I want for my family. And I was like, okay, then you're out talking to the wrong girl. Goodbye. I drove him home. I literally drove him home. I was like, okay. Well, and, uh, but I <laughs> waste the time. It's, yeah. this is just like house insurance or car insurance. Like you don't know. It's insurance. It's, it's insurance. That's what it is. And I, uh, yeah. So people think I'm crazy for saying that, but 
No, me too. It, no, I know I'm crazy for saying that, but it, yeah, it's actually, I saw a video on TikTok the other day of a woman. She's like, I was the one that asked for a prenup, but no one talks about like the process of actually like going in and like having a lawyer and them having a lawyer and you like going over the prenup together. Like, it feels like it's like a mini divorce before you even get married. I'm like, I don't think that's the right mindset going into it. I like, but like, I, I get it. Like, I can't imagine that's an easy conversation, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to have it. Like it, it is because I'm coming in to the marriage, hopefully with assets. And like, I want to make sure I'm protected. And I also joke to like, very early on, I'm like, I'm not changing my last name. If that's a problem for you, then there's the door. Like, Oh, I, I haven't. I've been married over a year and I just haven't gone. Th- I don't want to do the paperwork. I don't want to do I don't want to do the paperwork. I don't want to go through the process, but also like you didn't get my degree. Like right. you weren't with me when I got it either. Like had that been the case, maybe it's a different story, but like you, you weren't. So like, I want my name professionally. <laughs> call me socially, call me whatever the hell you want. <laughs> like he, and he, you have to find someone who doesn't care and will support that. Cause they're, my dad was more offended that I wasn't taking my husband's last name than my husband. And I was like, dad, what the really? heck? that's, that's a new one. My dad's not giving a shit. Yeah. He was like, you have to take his last name. And I was like, the hell I do. But I saw this actually speaking of like support. So I saw this, I don't know if you follow Case Kenny on social media. He's really great. I like him a lot. Um, but he posted on threads over the weekend, you know, what's attractive someone who supports your crazy ambitions because they have their own. And that is something that is so important to me. Like my friend and I were talking about this. We've known each other since we were 10 and we were like getting ice cream one day, a couple weeks ago. And we were like, he's 26 firefighter. He's, I was like, what are you looking for in a relationship? Like, I don't know why we got on this topic, but that's what we were talking about. And he was like, the four things that are pillars of any relationship for me and I had also for a guy to say this I was floored but also like now I can't stop thinking about it and every time I see something like that I'm like yes he said good communication that's a given you have to have fun with them also given good sex also a given but ambition and not just ambition like if you want to be a stay-at-home mom and he works that's fine as long as that is mutually what you want but not only that, it's the ambition of like the U.S. have the same goals and vision for your future together, that like your lives are on the same path. Because if one person ultimately wants something different, it is never going to work, even if the other three are great. Or like if you if one of those is off, then the other three being perfect aren't going to matter. And I think that that's like such a known thing, but I, I've had uh, so many friends get married and I'm like, I hope you've had the conversations about money. Like you have to have these conversations value. about your values your ambitions and you have to have it in a respectful way like go on a date night and have this conversation and then make the plans make the goals yeah but then support each other like my husband and I always say like we're so impressed by each other because we're like always one up in each other like hyping each other up not one upping each other hyping each other up like to keep going with what we're doing no but I even think like one upping each other isn't a bad thing if it's like a healthy competition like yeah. me and my best friend, we were talking about this. She works in Big Law in Chicago and her boyfriend also works in Big Law in Chicago. And she, we were literally saying, she's like, I don't think I could ever date someone who's not an impressive person. And I was like, that's a good question. What to you is an impressive person? And it's like this kind of weird, like all these things that we've been talking about. It's like someone who has their shit together, has a plan for their life because she's going to be making crazy amounts of money. She needs someone who is at her level or higher, who is not going to be intimidated or resent her for it. 
and like got rich she does lose her job or one of them lose like the, the other person can maintain their lifestyle so yes you need to be making a lot of money and like all these different things and I was like I'm glad we have this conversation because yeah I'm on the same page but like it's funny that I'm having this very similar conversations with a lot of my friends because we're all in that same point in our life where that's something worth thinking about but yeah having that conversation is so important and there's I follow a sex therapist sex with Emily she has a podcast and something that she always talks about like she tells her couples like that call in and stuff like she's like if something's not working in the bedroom you need to have a conversation about it but you can't do it in the bedroom you have to have it in a neutral place Mm -hmm. at a neutral like at a time where like you both feel comfortable like make it a date night but like it can't be in the bedroom she has a three t's I forgot the are time I don't know what the, the I don't know what they are, but it's like time, place, basically not being in the same, like not being in the bedroom. And I forgot what the other one is. And I was like, it's the same thing with this. Like you yes. can't have a conversation when you're angry. You can't have a conversation when you're struggling to make ends meet. But like you need at some point sit down and have a respectful conversation about like where your future is going. And if this is working and X enter X think here, is X working or is X what we're looking for? And I think it's you know, I'm glad that more of us are having these conversations. And yes, it's really scary and vulnerable to share them on social media. But, you know, this way, so many people, I've had so many DMs being like, thank you for talking about this. Like, I have nobody to talk to about this. But like, I'm okay talking to you because I don't really know you like that stranger component we were talking about. That's why bartenders like that's why they're therapists, hair, hair, hair stylists is what I'm thinking of. Right. And it's just so I posted a thread the other day about this. Who you marry is such an important decision. Like people, I feel like get so lost in like the love and the like, I want to be married by this age, do this, do this, do this. They, they're not really like, they haven't had the conversations with the person. You don't know that you're properly aligned with this person. And yeah, love I, isn't enough. It's not. And honestly, you need to find someone who won't ever be jealous if you're making more money, if you're wanting to be a part of the money conversation. Like the amount of friends that I have whose spouses are like intimidated by that. I'm like, Oh, my dad, literally my mom. So my mom was up for a promotion and she was like, I don't want it though. Like, I don't want the money. I don't want the title. Like I'm good where I'm at. I already have enough work. And my dad was like, no, I want you to make more than me. Like I want you to like, my dad's the one pushing my mom to go for the right. promotion yeah. and my mom was like I don't want it stop <laughs> like yeah it, for them it wasn't a money conversation she's like I don't want more work I, I already work 12 15 hour days and I literally was like this is cool like I want this like right. damn where do I find one of you exactly and it's it's hard it's hard. the fact that they met at 15 years old is baffling to me but yeah it's it is really hard um I and it's it's funny because like having that four-part test now me and my lawyer brain and rules and tests but I like think about like all the guys that I've been like seeing or like that I have on my roster or whatever and I'm like I have maybe two out of three with several of them but like I'm not all of it or like something's missing because I think like I was talking about this with my mom I have to explain to my parents the dating world now I was like okay so those are the four things to maintain a relationship but you need three things to get into it and it is right timing, right person, and right circumstance. And if one of those is off, it's not going to work. And then the other four come in. But it's like, I'm missing one of the three with these people. And then, but like, even if the four are there, and like, I'm like, why is this, like, why is it so hard to meet someone? Even they're all really great guys. And it's just bullshit, honestly. But it's also hard being you, like women like us that are, you know, 
we know all these things and we have like this vision for our life and like meeting someone who matches that and yet isn't going to resent us. And that's part of my fear of losing my independence too. Is like, I just don't want someone to resent me in the future because I have all of this planned out. Like that's, it's not supposed to be a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. So I don't want someone to make it a bad thing. It's not. And you'll find someone who will definitely hype you up to, and then want to be a part of it. Like go on that. Yeah. Yeah. I met, I met one guy. I sent him that the case Kenny like ambition thing. Cause I remember I asked him like one time, I was like, what are you looking for in a relationship? He's like ambition and attraction. If I have those two things, I'm fine. Which like is dumbing down the four part test. And if you think about it and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And like right timing, right person, right circumstances, not working out here, but everything else is. And I was like, fucker, why do you live in New York? Um, but um yeah I was like it's just it's it's hard to like be just being like at this age like we're lucky that we had grad school and we got to you know be not in the real world for a little while longer although there's a lot of downsides on this end of it but you're like 22 23 coming out of college like having access to the resources that you put out on the internet and like having these conversations with your friends with your family like with your mentors like that is honestly the greatest thing like I like in honestly I I had it and I'm really lucky for that but I'm like I like want to go back like I wouldn't but like I wish I was 22 and like could have those conversations again because I feel like it's such an exciting time to like the world is your oyster and you have all these resources at your fingertips and it's just up to you to go for them and ask the questions like you said like the worst thing that could happen is they say no but ask the question and I think with money especially like yeah money money is important money does make the world go around and but money will come back so it's okay if you make a bad investment or you know you didn't start earlier it's okay to you know you're starting now you're willing to start now and that is the most important thing that you can do is being willing to ask the questions and being willing to start ask the questions and start today like you should have started yesterday but today is the second best so just get don't have this perfect plan don't have like steps one through five figured out, just do it. And like, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail, but that's okay. Like that's a part of the experience. I know that's so cliche. No, but, but it's it, true. It's so true though. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's a reason why it's a cliche. <laughs> <laughs> but Megan, what is your biggest piece of advice for, for someone, whether it's saving, investing, if it's just a general life advice, like what for someone who, yeah, is, 22 to 25 they're just now starting to enter the real world and they don't know where to start where do you what's your biggest piece of advice my biggest piece of advice is to avoid credit card debt and do not buy a primary home as soon as you can and when you do buy a primary home don't over purchase like they'll approve you for x amount don't do it at that full amount because your primary home is an investment, but it's not as great of an investment as an investment property or a house hack or something like that. And I feel like society's like, oh, 24, 25, you got to buy a house, like get on it. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do right now is buy a house. We live in Austin now. The housing market's crazy. Our AC has gone out. And guess what? I didn't have to pay $3,000 to repair it. Like renting is not a waste of money. And I feel like so many people think that it is. I wish we could like dive into that because that's a whole other conversation but yeah it's it's fairly true I think 
Yeah. But if there's things to do, just do not get in credit card debt. Like it's not worth it. Yeah. No, it's not. For me with like the home buying thing, it's like, I just don't want, like, I don't want to be paying someone else's mortgage when I can be paying my own. But I agree. Like it's like, yeah, you have to be really smart about how you use your money and like the the loans and the, the, like my aunt's a broker and she was like, I will never, like, I will not let you use your FHA loan. Like I'm, I'm not like, you're going to be putting down a lot more than 20%. And she asked me, she was like, what do you, how much money do you have right now? Like we like, and between her and both my parents, thankfully, like we have a plan. And she was like, you know, like, and I even asked her, I was like, should I buy my house for me? And then eventually, like when I move on, hopefully like family house, like then that's an investment property or should I buy my first house as an investment property? She's like, no, you want to live in it. The first things you're going to do is the floor and the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Well, floor and your bathroom and your bedroom first, okay. then your kitchen. Then like at the very least, like you have those done and like, you can yeah. probably ask for a little more for it. People, I feel like they're like, I need to buy a house. Let me go buy a $400, $500 house because I got approved for it. And then they don't take into consideration the maintenance, the property tax, the insurance. And obviously you have a plan, which that's how you have to approach buying a home. You don't just like, oh, I have it's all this money. Status, it's not a status symbol. It's not a, like, same with the car. Like, yeah. same with anything, with any of those big purchases. Like, yeah, like we all want to show that we're, you know, now that we got our degree and we're making some money, we're a lot better than where we came from, but like slow and steady wins the race. And at least like living in Miami, I'm sure Austin, you might see it too, but it's like all these people, they don't actually have what they say that they have. That's dressed to the nines and you're jealous of them. Or even on Instagram, like all the influencers, they might be spending all their money on their house and their car and their clothes. And they might not have a retirement account. Like you just never know, but don't compare yourself. Yeah. I see, I think about all the time. It's like, I, I don't compare myself very often and I'm very lucky for that. I know not everyone can say that, but when I do end up inevitably going on those comparison traps, I, I literally that what you just said, I'm like, they might not have the plan or the vision or the goals that I do. And, and that's okay. Cause that's them. But like, I have these plans. So I need to make sure that I can like do something about them and actually like execute them because it's really great to have a vision board and a goal but if you're not making the small steps every single day to accomplish them then what's it all for and it's micro level like literally like to-do lists like checklists like literally just one percent better every single day you don't have to like you know you don't have to save all this money right now but like you said start today and I mean, I used to think I needed like a thousand dollars for some reason to even start investing in the stock market. When I found out you could do it with ten dollars, I was like, "Heck yeah, let's go!" Like, just open the account and get it going. Yeah, that's the most important thing. Well, thank yeah. you, Megan, so much. This was so great. So many great resources. So much great information. Definitely want to have you on and talk more about the house that we like brought up at yeah. the end. Yeah. And hopefully, people bring in questions and we can have more of a conversation. Maybe do some lives about this but there's so much great stuff here but thank you so much for coming on the podcast where can i find you pimp yourself out i'll put it all below thank you for having me um you can find me at wealth with meg on instagram wealth is spelled w-h-e-a-l-t-h because wealth is health it's how i combine my health expertise and the finance world but yeah i just released a digital product actually today to the public so 
It's Mastering Money Basics. It's a 95-page guide giving you literally all the basic steps that you need if you're a post-grad, if you're two years into work, but it's how you're going to set the foundation to save your first $100,000. So go check that out. And then, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. I will make sure to link that as its own link below. And I'm going to go check that out later today. But thank you so much for coming on. 